0: Hello, and welcome to episode 129 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. A warm welcome to Annie W. to The Modern Manager community. Stay tuned at the end of this episode for more on the benefits of membership and how to join. Now, today's guest is Neil Conlin. Neil is a conscious and mission-driven Marine veteran with a goal to empower 1,000 men to empower 1,000 men. He coaches, consults, and conspires. Neil and I talk about the changing role and perception of men and masculinity. While I've talked about gender in the workplace a few times, it's typically been in the frame of women. But this conversation is all about men showing up in the workplace. We talk about how they can start to find their place in this new reality of Me Too and third wave feminism, and how we can all help shift unhealthy male stereotypes so that everyone wins. Now, here's the conversation.
1: You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer Stewart.
0: Neil, it is such a pleasure to have you today. First, I have to give a shout out to our mutual friend, David Holman, who connected us. He has been such an amazing resource for my show. I have to say, he connected me to prior guest Dory Clark and to prior guest Peter Gorey, and now to you. So, welcome.
2: Thanks for having me and making the time for this today. I'm really excited to do it. And yes, thank you to David Holman. I really appreciate him.
0: So, I've talked about gender on this show a few times. But inevitably, when we talk about gender in the workplace, it always goes into women in the workplace. But that is not what you're going to talk about. So let's talk about some masculinity today.
2: Yeah, th- that's an interesting point that you bring up. Usually when they're talking about gender in the workplace, it we tend to think that it's tied into something to do with the female. And as somebody who coaches businesses in various different ways. One of the ways that I coach business leaders is on actual masculinity, which we can, we're we definitely going to dig in and talk about what that actually means. But as somebody who has worked in very male-dominated industries, startup technology, financial services, and also is raising daughters, I have very, very interesting views. That I think your viewership will really appreciate.
0: So let's just jump right in here. How do you define masculinity and maybe what's the kind of how do men fit into this concept of masculinity?
2: Sure. So maybe let's even take a step further back from that and then I'll come and answer that question in a very much more pointed way. You know, I went through a period of my career where I was experiencing all traditional successes. I was building big companies, building big teams, had the big house, family, cars, all the things. And I still felt, I got to a point in my life where I realized there was something missing. And in tandem to that, I started, as my daughters were starting to grow up, I started to look at, the. I think most parents go through this at some point, starting to think about their future and the things that they want in life. And I realized that as there was such large, feminine movements right? Me Too and uh, and other movements. It felt really, really good to me that I wanted to support and do anything that I could to make sure that when my daughters became adults, that they experienced every single opportunity and chance that I had in life and even tenfold more. And I started to really think about like, how do I do that? And it got, got a little weird sometimes, I'll admit it, when I was going through this transition about six years ago, when a bearded, tattooed military veteran shows up at a women's empowerment event. It just didn't click so so easily. So I went in a different direction and really started to pay attention to what was going on in the world. And if you look at it, one of the challenges that men have in this world, right, we have mental health issues, we have, you know, school shootings, we have high depression rates of men, we have veterans, you know, who struggle with reintegration back into civilian world. And these are all very, these are problems that men, these are, these are tragedies that men are experiencing for some reason. And that became interesting to me. What I realized when I started to dig into this work was, you know, there is this blueprint, right? That was thousands of years of, I guess I'll use the word patriarchy, but there was this blueprint where there was very specific gender roles in our lives right and if i start to stumble across my words it's because i really try to be empathetic of people who are listening to this because a lot of these words that i sometimes use can be triggering in certain ways based on people's past experiences so if i stumble here a little bit it's more so out of empathy more than anything else but you had for decades the man's role in the home was you know, to make the money, be the head of the table, be the head of the household, and the female was to hold down the house, be the mom to the children, and and all that type of stuff, right? And that's just how it was for years. And in the last 10, 15 years, we've had that blueprint kind of start to crumble and be reworked into a point where, again, as a father of daughters, you have women who have more educational opportunities than they've ever had in our history, while we still have more work to do, clearly, have the opportunity to make a lot of money in careers. We have female CEOs being nominated for the, for the top banks in the world, which I think is an amazing thing. And in the same space, they can pay for their own homes, have their own children, multitask, and do all these things. And then a young man shows up to that conversation. And because the blueprint has been unpackaged a little bit, it becomes, well, where do I fit into that conversation? How do I approach this person and try to have a relationship with them? Or I can go play video games or go swipe on Tinder or one of the other many things that I kind of preach about that mention and do. And so that set me on this path of really trying to show up as a really well-established version of what an integrated masculine man is in today's world and led me on a path of when I hear other men talk about it, realizing that one of the big challenges, it's not race, it's not creed, it's not color, it's not gender, it's not your sexual preference. One of the challenges is that for men in today's world is that they have some inward work that they need to do. So how would I define, you know, what masculinity is? There is these teachings that some of my mentors have taught me over the years, where the term feminine or masculine, I think, is more of an essence. It doesn't have anything to do with what your sexual orientation or even sexual organs are. It is just that if you lean in on the masculine side of the polarity, it is practical. It's pragmatic. You know, your job is to hold space and create safety and create security and then the feminine side tends to be more flowy and nurturing and vibrant and energetic and you know I think that every single person has a little bit of both inside of them and it just depends on the circumstances of their life which way that which direction they're going to lean in lean in more as they become adults
0: So you just said so, so many interesting things that I want to just jump on them, but I want to start with this idea that the blueprint has been changed and what that means. And I see that in, in my work too and in a lot of spaces where we've been kind of acculturated to think one way because that's how it was before. And there have been so many signals, I mean, even as a woman, there are so many signals about who I'm supposed to be that I've gotten for the past 30-some years, that even though now the, the blueprint is kind of crumbling and the expectations are changing and doors are being opened, it's still hard to, like, make all of the mental leaps to actually actualize all those things, right? And I can only imagine that for some men who are experiencing this, it's hard because you're moving from that place of security and privilege and power into a world where those things are up in the air and maybe they have to be shared and maybe it feels like there isn't room for you, which is confusing.
2: Right. And, and, and what you have, I mean, realistically, and and again, a lot of this, the words that I'm going to say are, I've done a lot of work and a lot of research and this is one of my passion projects. And you have the level of consciousness and the level of awareness that a white male needs to be willing to go down the path of is probably one of the hardest challenges for for us to do today because of exactly that, right? I'll I'll give you like a really, really good practical example You know, most, and this is true universally almost. So when a couple has a child, and let's just say they have a a little boy, right? Little boy starts crawling, starts learning how to walk. And when he falls and he thinks about crying or cries a little bit or stumbles the first time he's riding the bike or the dog knocks him over or gets hit with a baseball or all the... Thousands of things that happen to small children early on, I'm talking like two, three, four years old, 90% of parents will say, come on, little boy, little man, get up. You're strong. It's, you, you can do better. And all these, the words that we start to use that early, and we start to empower the young man not to cry and not be okay with the emotions that he's feeling at that point. And yet, and, and, I'm, and I was guilty of this years ago with my daughter as a witness to it, is that when a little girl falls or stumbles in the, in the exact same way, doing what all of the kids do. We right away go and coddle and nurture and tell her it'll be okay instead of treating her, her in that way. And so the, the level of awareness that people need to, in order for us to change that, right, is my point, is that it's going to take a couple more decades for, the whole blueprint to unwind itself. And in the meantime, we have all these people that are slightly confused and altered and distracted. That's what happens when you go through transition periods.
0: I love that example of of how we approach boys and girls differently from such a young age. And it makes me think about as a manager, how I might be approaching my own team members differently. And, you know, the expectations that I might have for them or the language that I have for them, Are there examples in the workplace where you see this playing out?
2: I think it plays out even more so in the workplace, especially nowadays, because again, the same exact thing is happening in the workplace and to the managers where, unfortunately, right, and this is just me being super honest, 10, 15 years ago at a hedge fund or a big investment bank, most of the female employees were executive assistants. They worked in the marketing department. There was like specific roles that women had figured out how to work into, or men had figured out how to work into that and now, thank God that's over. We still have this kind of mashing of people in different capacities in different roles, and I think that you know we've seen it numerous times that you know the days of the Boys Club have gone away, and the idea of bringing managers together and making sure that managers are conscious and aware of those type of feelings going on in the workplace, and then really being able to, instead of amplify and escalate challenges and make it hard for people, how do you de-escalate the communication and make it inclusive, but at the same point, really impact the culture of your business, because those are two different things.
0: Well, and this seems like a place where those ideas of masculine traits and feminine traits really comes in, right, and how we see the same behavior and maybe interpret it differently because we don't necessarily have a frame that says being, you know, sharing emotions isn't weakness, right? It might be a feminine or an expression of femininity, but that doesn't mean that for men, it's a weakness and for women, it's a given. Does that make sense?
2: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and I think that what's also interesting is that for today's manager, I think this, I've never experienced this. And I don't think that we've ever, ever experienced a time period like this, but we have people as young as 24, 25, you know, in the workplace. And in my, in my last company, we had 24 year olds and we had people who were 66. Right. So you're talking about such a broad spectrum of understanding of the world going on and then being able to do exactly that, where there was things that when the 66 year old people who were in work, you know, when they were in the workplace 20 years ago, certain things were acceptable that are no longer acceptable because 20 years ago, there wasn't a 24 year old women in in the workplace. Right. And so you'll hear me say over here to be conscious and aware of your surroundings, the situational awareness and that emotional intelligence that managers need to have today in order to make sure that everybody feels like they are seen, heard, understood, and feel safe in that environment is critical to the success of the company culture.
0: So are there things that, well, let's start with men first. Are there things that men can do to become more conscious, to become more aware of how they are showing up in work and spaces, how they are applying a gendered lens.
2: Right. Well, that's a fantastic question. And that can be a whole another podcast itself, quite frankly. But realistically, I think it really is just taking a moment and realizing that the things that have served, and I, and I say this because I've had to do this. If you are working within teams of people, first and foremost, and they all represent the same, race, creed, color, gender, whatever, you have to admit there's something wrong with that, right? And it's, it's not that it's bad, but you have to admit that there is something wrong with, like, like with that scenario. And I think that's the piece that a lot of managers have to struggle with is they have to be willing to, be, to take that first step and say, hey, we need to change this up a little bit in order for us to get different thoughts, different procedures, different approaches, et cetera, et cetera. That would be the first piece of it. The second piece of it is is I have never seen as much change or pivot for men who subscribe to the masculine side as attending a men's masculinity event or what they often call a men's circle because there's a funny stereotype, right? I'm sure you've heard of, right? Men won't even stop at a gas station and ask for directions when they're driving and lost.
0: Right. Right?
2: It's like a... It's a funny episode in Jerry Seinfeld and every other sitcom has done an episode on it, but there's, there's some proven facts around that that men are historically not taught when they're young, how to ask for help. So it's not innate to them to ask for help. And most men in today's society, not to digress too much, but if you didn't have, you know, a a proper father figure and you went to school in a traditional elementary school, 78% 78% of all teachers in schools are women. And if you spent all your time with mom, that means that like 97% of your upbringing up until you were 22, you were around a woman. And then you're trying to subscribe and try to figure out how to man up in your life. And you have no clear example of how to do it because of the feminine influence you had your whole life. And then you spend your whole life trying to figure out how to make that work. And then what happens is you bring that to the workplace where you think you need to manage and own and be responsible and probably overpowering. And that clearly never works well
0: for anybody. That is uh, like an interesting kind of train and connecting the dots. And I'm, I'm actually wondering if there are other stereotypes about men that are either not true or unhelpful or kind of lead us to certain types of expectations around men that they have for themselves or that we place on them.
2: I one thing I've been, I've learned over time is like there is a lot of stereotypes that I think are that are okay that we as a society have wrapped a little bit of snarky probably negative energy around. So I'll give you a, a good example of both in the masculine and feminine. You know I remember a couple of years ago before all the these amazing productivity tools came out. You know everybody in every job resume that a manager is writing needed to use the word multitasking 14 times. It was like, you must be able to multitask. You must, this job requires multitasking and you'll become a multitask master of multitasking. And in the work of the masculine and feminine polarity, they talk about how the, on the feminine polarity side, the ability for, to be flowy and to be multitasking is meant to be a feminine polarity trait. Now you could be male gender and be a good multitasker, but in my work, I can just be like, oh yeah, so your mom raised you, your dad wasn't around. And on the masculine side, you have men who, the thing that integrated and strong examples of men who do this type of work focus on is they focus on congruence. They focus on operating at a high integrity of values and beliefs so much so that they only want to work on one thing at a time, right? Very focused, very targeted, very pragmatic, very practical, right? Even the words I'm using, right? It's very like crisp and matter of fact, versus the multitasking flowiness, energy, work on multiple things, you know, kind of like the feminine being able to raise children, cook, work and do all the things all at once because they're meant to be like that. And we've gotten to a point where I think in society, some of those lines are kind of crossed and then we wonder why people can't do the things that they want to do. Right? So if I go back to that blueprint, right, the blueprint for thousands of years was that the masculine will create safety, security, you know, he's going to hunt and kill things, bring them home to the tribe and all that type of stuff. And then in today's society, when the hunting is really, really done with making your own money, and even as a manager in the workplace, you know, suddenly you're like, well, now I'm going to learn to multitask because I have to figure out how to compete in this way. And, and I think the lines are just a little bit blurred in, in that space is outside the workplace and definitely in the workplace as well.
0: So are there things that women or people who don't identify as male can do to kind of help their male counterparts through this confusing time? Or like, I'm, I'm thinking about some of these shifts and changes, not to make men victims in this, but to say that, like, there are definitely things that are hard for women, but that there are also things that are hard for men. And I I think, like, there are some feminist groups that would, like, not want to admit that. But to accept that this is a shift for everyone and that in that shift there's kind of loss and confusion or frustration and, like, how can we as women be good allies to men to help them through the transition too, right? So that's not just men saying, I'm a feminist and I'm going to help the women, but it's actually women saying, yeah, I'm a feminist and I'm going to help the men through this too.
2: Right, right. And, and I could even hear like in your creation of that statement, you're like, all right, let me be careful with the words I use here, right? Totally. And, <laughs> and, and it is because what happens is that we live in this very charged environment right now and everybody when you start hearing about a certain race creed color gender everybody's going well what about me and my people or my type or my thing right we we automatically internalize it and it's a tough conversation because a lot of men right what 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 I have expect especially this year what i experience is that men that i speak with have this innate quality about them to want to carry the weight of the world on their shoulders even before covid and they are carrying this weight on their shoulders they're doing it because that's the way their dad did it or that's the way that they saw it on tv or their uncle that's why their uncle did it and therefore they don't know how to put the world down and just be like you know what i'm tired i'm just tired of doing this Uh, they don't know how to ask for help in them helping it and they don't have a model to ask for it and so they're trying to create this thing and what ends up happening is, is that when someone, their partners or even their managers, even in the workplaces happens also, you know, when the feminine side is not getting seen and heard, not getting paid attention to, not getting enough support in some way, shape or form, they will do one of two things. They will start to do it for themselves, which is jumping into that kind of masculine energy. You know what? He's not going to do it. He's not going to take out the trash. He's not going to do this thing. He's not going to make the money. Then I'm going to do it. And that emasculates us. And it takes away the energy that we want to put into really doing that. And so the way to really do it is to cling to that person, whichever side they are on, that they understand that they're doing a good job. They understand that they are loved. And they understand that there is connection there. And they understand that the the other person just wants the best for them. And because we're in such a charged world right now, you know, we've got people getting laid off, people getting hired, companies folding, companies opening. It's a very charged world right now for managers and for people in general.
0: It's so interesting the way that you frame that about, right, when women in particular step in on something that might be traditionally considered a man's task or man's Mm -hmm. responsibility, that it can feel emasculating when really it's intended to either be like I'm annoyed I'm just gonna do it or like I can see you struggling I'm gonna help but either way the impact might still feel bad for the recipient and that just by kind of being in conversation can can really shift that and it makes me think about some situations I've been navigating with some of my clients around how men show up in meetings and when you have only an hour and the men dominate the conversation, and it's like, okay, well, we got to make space for female voices. We cannot, like, we, we have to be intentional about asking men to not talk, which is hard because that, like, it doesn't feel good to have someone tell you, like, please come to this meeting, but then please don't talk in this meeting. <laughs> like, but in right. reality, there are some shifts of responsibilities or some shifts of how we engage that we can't just do, right? Like you're saying, you can't just, like, go take out the trash. Maybe you can't just, like, tell someone don't talk in this meeting but you actually have to be in conversation with them and be in a relationship with them about what that means and why and it's not to say that women shouldn't take the trash out or that like we shouldn't ask men not to speak it's that the way that we do those things actually matters the way that we talk about those things actually matters
2: yeah 100% and and a really good example of my learning this and my painfulness of going through this if I'm going to be honest just came up so i was at a this is like five or six years ago I was at a conference, and when I was starting to build companies and build my personal brand, I would go to all these big conferences that would have q and a 's you know so q and a with tony robbins q and a with gary vaynerchuk q and a with you know wh- whoever techie starty, startup fireside chat there was and i for years prided myself on when they opened up that q and a Neil was going to have a a well architected, articulate question that Gary V was going to get my, I was going to get Gary V's attention or whoever else it was. And they were going to turn it into 10 minutes of talking. And then that was like my goal. Like that was my mission when I went to these conferences. And I was speaking at the Google digital cloud conference on inclusion and diversity. And a woman raised her hand. And when the speaker called called on her, she had said how hard it was because whenever she went to conferences, the first three or four people that raised their hands or they got picked on were always men and they always had such great, well thought out, articulate questions. And she would just wanna know like, what do you eat in the morning for breakfast? Just because she was curious, but she felt so insecure in asking her questions that she would never raise her hand to ask questions at a conference. And I immediately, one, felt so guilty, but number two, made sure that I immediately stopped doing that. And I immediately made sure that I was the last person to raise their hands after I thought everybody else had gone first and then asked my questions just from that conscious and awareness of understanding that there's people out there that have questions that you can empower them to ask instead of just making it into a me, me, me environment, which I used to do.
0: Oh, so beautifully said. What a, what a great story and great learning moment. So as we wrap up, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic?
2: Yes. What was amazing about this manager is, is that he always had a way to de-escalate every conversation. Or, or whenever he had to correct somebody, which managers just have to do it sometimes. And I can give you a really good example where this is going back a little bit. I used to wear, you know, dress pants and a dress shirt to work, and for some reason, I used to always skip one of the belt loops. And he would walk up to me, and this is just one of the example of of how he would handle it. He'd walk up to me, touch me in the shoulder, and he'd say, "Hey." do you agree with me? Friends always should help friends. And he would, I would go, yeah, of course I do. He would, and he would go, great. You missed a belt loop on your pants. And he'd walk off. And again, I, I would not have been offended by it, but not knowing that, that little set up of that conversation, there was no way that could be escalated into a, why is he picking on me? Why do you bother me? Or any of the other kind of negative things that, you know, sometimes when we're having bad days in the office and things are not going the way we plan, if someone pokes us, we just automatically react in a certain way. And no matter which way, whenever he had to correct somebody, he was a senior leader in the organization. Whenever he felt the need to correct somebody, he could always de-escalate it so much in advance that it was a real skill set that to this day I still try to, to work on all the time when I manage people.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. I'm totally stealing that approach. Amazing. And where can people learn more about you, Neil, and the work that you do?
2: Sure. So on social media, my social media handles, which I'm very active on, is at I am Neil, Neal, N-E-A-L, Conlon, And my website for coaching and business services and consulting is www.Neal, C-O-N-L-O-N.
0: Thank you so much. This was such a fascinating conversation and a really different look at gender in the workplace. So I appreciate it.
2: Thank you. I appreciate the time.
0: If you are interested in a free coaching session with Neil, he has generously offered a free hour of coaching to fast track results, habits, and values and beliefs. This is for entrepreneurs, business owners, veterans in transitions, and men or women who just feel overwhelmed in 2020. You are eligible for this free coaching call if you are a member of the Modern Manager community by December 1st. To become a member, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, which is at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration. And teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward.
1: To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell.